Welcome to Leadership Talk, the official Waymaker podcast, the place for conversations about leadership, strategy, and technology that help make business improvement business as usual. Welcome to Leadership Talk, the official Waymaker podcast. I'm your host, Craig, and with me, as usual, in sunny Queensland is Stuart Leo, CEO and founder of Waymaker. How are you, mate? I'm I'm really good, actually. That's good. Yeah, really good. That's good. It's uh, I've got, got my hot tea for today's podcast. I'm feeling good. What are you reading at the moment? Give me a... Oof. Gosh. <laughs> um, <laughs> that was a curveball stuff, wasn't it? <laughs> um, I'm actually rereading... Um, uh, Jocko Willick's um, Extreme Ownership. Um, I'm I'm going back into that. That's that's a fantastic book. If you haven't if you haven't picked that up for a while, um, I'm I'm also midway through um, a reread in preparation for a conference I'm I'm doing in a in a month or two's time. Um, uh, Shackleton's work yes. and journey, um, uh, endurance and um, and revisiting some of those things. Um, what else am I reading? Um, and and that's about it. Gosh, but well, that's all right. Um, Two books and a go at a time. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm. You know, when you have sprints of thinking and reading, where you it's like new and you're just absorbing. Yeah. And and I I eat, I my dad's so embarrassed for me. I read like junk, like you eat junk food. You know, I'm such <laughs> a bad reader. I'm like I, I grab it, I read it, I. By the way, my dad's a former school principal and English teacher, so he's, you know, it's embarrassing for him. Um, and so I read books and I just get the big ideas and kind of move on, um, which is not a bad way to do it, but you do leave a lot of detail on the table. And so, um, you know, a year, two years, three years later, you pick it up and you reread it and you're like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm getting all this new stuff, which is just all the all the medium and small size stuff you you missed on the way through. Yeah, true, 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 true. I am reading uh, Barefoot Investor. Oh, Have excellent. you done it? Have you read that yet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm teaching my kids about He's buckets good. and compound interest and all that sort of stuff. It's yeah, excellent. there's a great great book written. Um, you know, I should have done it. Um, how to give your kids a million dollars. Yeah, and it doesn't cost you a cent. Yeah. That that's what I put, that's what, uh, yep. I, I, that's the book, isn't it? Yeah. Seriously. We, um, we actually started that when our first daughter was born and have been doing it ever since. Congratulations. Yeah, no, thank you. Is it working? Uh, so far. It's, it's, that's great. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> yeah, a dollar a day per child into an account yep. and yep. it just sits there and grows. And ticks away. Yeah. Yep. And when the, I think when they it's, get to fifteen, then we have to start, you know, getting them to invest in shares and stuff. Anyway. Yep. Anyway, we are <laughs> so good. We are so off that track. Track. <laughs> Stu, last episode we <laughs> talked about mindsetting. That was all right. There's a bit of free information, yeah, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Some good books. Come there. on. All right. So last episode we talked about mindsetting and mindsets, mm. and um, mm. basically how how to set mindsets that transform the performance of a business. Um, mm. And we defined our terms last episode, and then we thought that we would get into a little bit more of the nitty gritty in this yep. episode. So, um, Stu, now that we've kind of defined our terms and all the rest of it, I, I guess the question is, how do we effectively change a mindset? That's the million-dollar question, mm. isn't it? Um, how, 
how a man thinketh, um, so therefore he useth. Um, <laughs> that sounds smart, doesn't it? Um, and it, it, it's you know you can you can fall into this sort of dangerous trap of um, as as you said before we started sounding like every other motivational speaker <laughs> that's ever you know taken a stage and and that's actually really not the goal of this. The, the goal of this podcast is to give people a handle on on mindsets and to understand um, how to change them. Mm. Um, and, and last week we, we talked about why, and you just got to reinforce that. How you think frames what you believe and how you will act. Mm. And, and mindsets um, are how you think. Mm. And we, we talked about how mindsets are held um, on a lattice of thinking. So you might call that a, um, a worldview or a mental model or a construct. Um, mindsets can be big, big, big ideas or they can be very small things. Um, you can have the mindset of a safe driver or a, or a, or a race driver. Excuse me, uh, a safe driver or a race driver. Um, that belief um, is framing your mindset. That mindset is framing your behaviour. Yeah, okay. Um, does that make sense? Mm. Um, uh, so we've talked about the, the, the latticing of mindsets, the, the connection of mindsets, how really you want to organise mindsets in, into a set of thinking mm. and that that actually happens to us over time. And um, it happens to us uh, deliberately or not deliberately, intentionally or unintentionally. Mm. And, and so – cultures where you grow up how you grow up schools you go to people you hang out with uh, are all going to feed a set of mindsets that's happening kind of unintentionally or in a formal environment you might get sat down and framed some intentional mindsets as you're growing up you're actually you're filling your mind with mindsets you're 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 learning it's what's the old saying um, I think it was a Jesuit saying. There's a wonderful BBC series on this. Um, give, give me a child for the first seven years and I'll show you the man. Um, and they, they track that child from zero to, to seven to 14 to 21 to 28 mm. and, and so on. It's a fascinating BBC series. And they connect what happens in childhood back to the, the people they become. Yeah, right. <clears throat> because as children, we, we have empty minds and, the, and so all these mindsets get built into us. As adults, those mindsets get framed and reframed and established and we, we do less deliberate mind setting. And I talked about that idea of the verb mm. mind setting mm -hmm. um, being the, the purposeful creation of new mindsets. And, and, and that's about identifying unhealthy mindsets or negative mindsets that hold you back in life. And, um, and, and as you deliberately identify those negative or unhealthy mindsets, you sometimes don't actually know how to rebuild the new ones. And so, so you get lost, you get stuck. You, you don't... If, Let's, let's say you, you have a loser mindset. Mm -hmm. um, uh, okay, well, how do I build a winning mindset? How do I deconstruct and exit the losing mindset and replace it with something stronger? And, and, and so we, we, we talk about mind setting as that deliberate act 
of framing how we're going to choose to see the world around us. And, and the way we do that, um, it's really powerful. Um, when we build a mindset, we're effectively building automations inside the mind, mm. inside the brain. Where, and and there's, there's, there's brain processes that are happening. Which, which are just amazing. Psychologists, and we've got some good friends as psychologists and, and we read good psychology work um, and we know that when you build a new mindset, you actually change the neuroprocesses in the mind, the electrical pulses in the mind. It's, the mind's like a muscle, an electric muscle. And it, and it actually rewires. It rewires and tells you t- your body to function and act differently. It actually triggers different proteins in your genetic code as you rewire new mindsets. It physically changes you. Mm. You know, there, there is the old saying to be transformed by the renewing of your mind is 110% true. It's just what kind of transformation are you choosing to be? And, uh, and, and so... So when we rewire, when we focus on building these new mindsets, we're actually choosing to change the way our mind works in automation. And, and it's a bit like a complex skill. So what's something complex or complicated that you have to do, Craig? Be a dad. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> That's pretty parent. complex. That is. That's very complex, isn't it? Was that was um, that too meta? <laughs> no, no. That that's fine. Um so did did you know when you got married um and and it's like okay, baby number 1 coming along. Yeah, they were going to um, be the perfect child. They were never going to do anything wrong and I had all these yeah Great ideals about never going. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, yeah. Never going to give them McDonald's. No. Going to do all these wonderful things. <laughs> yeah. How's life going on that? Yeah, it didn't it didn't it didn't work out that way. Yeah, but you would have had some mindsets that you would have carried into your fatherhood relationship that would have been built by fathers around yeah, you. Yeah, my own relationships. Yep. Yep. Correct. Um, and you would have walked in with a set of unintentional pre-wired mindsets. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Um, like how you might tuck a child into bed at night, what you might do on a weekend going to the park, what skills or hobbies or things you're going to teach them or do with them. And, and then you would have picked up some other unintentional mindsets from others around you, mentors and, you know, great mates and people that have gone before you. But then you might have gone, well, I, I may not agree with some of the stuff that you've seen come before you and you, made a, you may have chosen to go out and make some changes. What did you do? How did you learn other mindsets? Yeah, all, all of the above. Just, yeah, I identify people that are doing things well, right? Yep. Have a, have a yep. different attitude towards, you know, yep. towards things. Uh, and actually, and what did, actually what, seeing families that are thriving, right? Ah, yep. And so, kind of going, all right, what are you doing? Or just watching and observing, right? Actually, just being around them helps mm. helps you yep. change your mindset because you think differently. It, yeah, yeah. And actually, what you're allowing yourself to do is to automatically, through the culture of that other family, yep. open yourself up to just go. I'm going to let this culture wash into me. Mm. 
and kind of rewire some of my thinking. Mm. And it's a deliberate act to kind of open yourself up and let that culture wash in and and that's about as deliberate as it gets. Yeah. Um, there might have been some other deliberate actions where you picked up a book and read it yep. and went – How to give your yeah, kids a million yep. dollars. Yeah. Ah, beautiful segue, wasn't it? Um, we, we planned this episode <laughs> yeah, out. No. Um, <laughs> that's true. You know, I want to I want to give my kids a million dollars. I want to set them up for the future. I'm going to go read a book on this. And what did that book tell you to do? Mm, just small incremental. Uh, you know what? I heard this great quote. It says, effort um, doesn't make you rich. Discipline does. Right? Correct. And, and that's just a classic example of that. It's just the incremental bit by bit yeah. Uh, yeah. discipline over time. Early on, intentionally, you and your wife would have gone, okay, we've got to deposit a dollar into my child's bank account. Yeah. And then over time, you just sit and forget. Yeah. And there would, you would go for months, maybe even a year, with not even thinking about it because you've now built a system. Yeah that is automating both practically and in the mind the outcome that you're seeking to, to achieve. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. I, and you've built a new mindset. And I, I see the metaphor, Stu, uh, beautiful, mm. uh, beautiful setup. Um, I guess as a business owner, uh, leader of an mm. organisation, um, what, what are some handles that I can start to you know, draw on or hold on to uh, even just from those examples or, or some others that you might have in terms of helping me firstly transform my own mindset and then yeah, the mindset of our team. Let, let's, let's get into this yeah. and let's pull it apart because some really practical stuff that I'm just going to power through. Um, I love this stuff, by the way. <laughs> I, I think, you know, this is why we do Waymaker, um, to help people find breakthrough, not just in the technology and the systems and the diagnostic and the goal management that we run in the software, mm. but in individuals as leaders. Mm. And, and Waymaker is as much a piece of software as it is a leadership framework. And, and so in leadership, the very first person we lead for change is ourselves. Mm. And, and many leaders because everybody is a leader, but many leaders never graduate beyond the capacity to lead themselves into leading others. And the very first thing we've got to do is actually learn how to lead ourselves well. And we have no hope in breaking down and rebuilding um, new mindsets in others if we can't do it in ourselves. Does that make yeah. sense? Is that kind of like your you know, Maxwell level, leadership levels? Level one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, or you could jump on and look at Waymaker's five personas of leadership across sure, the, sure, sure. the leadership curve. <laughs> but, hey, I'll go with Maxwell. That's not a problem. I like Maxwell. Um, we'll, we'll, in fact, we'll draw on the people that have gone before. Standing on the shoulder of giants, Stu. That's exactly what we do. That's exactly what we do. Classic. Um, I mean, I love John Maxwell. I remember hearing him. I, honestly, I was thinking about this the other day because you were there with me about 20 years ago. Um, in, a, in a stadium in Sydney listening to John Maxwell talk and just it, it just was inspirational um, in helping you reframe how you think about life. Um, and he's, he's one of the grandfathers of, of leadership and, um, and, and I'm actually going to quote him a little bit later in this podcast, but let me get back to task. Okay. So the very first person you have to lead is yourself. 
um, and pick any leadership person you love and they've said it. Um, uh, so there's a mm-hmm. quote. How, so how do you lead? That's the question you've got to ask. Um, what are the roles and functions of a leader? Um, because if, the, if I've got to lead myself, I've, what does it mean to be a leader? And so I'm going to step us through this kind of five roles of a leader in, in the context of leading ourselves. Does that make yeah. sense? So whether I'm leading myself, leading others, leading leaders, leading leaders of leaders, it really doesn't matter. I'm going to keep doing these five roles. And, and so when we, when we want to lead ourselves, we actually need to go through this process. And this, proce- this process has five steps. So I'll give you the five steps and then I'm going to break it down because it's going to be through this process that we identify and change and rebuild positive, healthy, winning mindsets. Awesome. Okay? Yep. Let's hear them. So th- these are the five steps. Really simple. The first role a leader needs to do is to think. The second role of a leader is to plan. The third role of a leader is to inspire. The fourth role of a leader is to equip. And the fifth role of a leader is to empower. So if you can think, plan, inspire, equip and empower, starting first with yourself, then we can begin to actually transform ourselves and all transformations start with the renewing of the mind. There you go. So that is why we start with thinking. And so all of these are sequential? One, all of these are one sequential. then two, then three. Yep. Okay. Correct. Right. Think, plan, inspire, equip, empower. So and here's my favourite John Maxwell quote. When you think, you connect facts with feelings. Mm. So when we think... And, and good leaders actually set aside time for thinking. Um, you, you must spend time thinking. And thinking well is thinking with facts and with feelings. And we've got to absorb data in. We've got to absorb feeling in. We've got to think about data. And so when, in this context, we're thinking about ourselves. Yep. So I'm trying to lead myself. Yep. So I've got to start thinking. I've got to start looking at the facts to start looking at my at feelings, the feelings I have, feelings towards me, and I've got to start finding the truth <laughs> somewhere between those two mm. things, because what I feel is not the truth, and the facts aren't always the truth. Um, controversial, oh, I know, <laughs> controversial. Um, you know, just give me facts. Some people would say, well, if you've if you've if you've ever just pulled out statistics and spun them for your own turn of events, um, then. Facts are not just enough. We need to look at diversity of facts. And I don't want to go into that depth right now, but when we're thinking, we connect facts with feelings. Mm. If I feel like a loser, well, what do the facts say? Um, Maybe the facts don't say that. I think last episode we were talking about Rafael Nadal and Medvedev in the Australian Open final, tennis Mm. final. So Nadal, two and a half sets down. If he just took that window of two and a half sets, he could tell himself he's a loser. He could, he, could, he could reinforce a mindset, a negative mindset. Yeah. Or he could step back and go, well, no, I'm a 20 Grand Slam winner. I just happen to be losing right now. So a, broad, a broader set on, of facts paints a different picture. Correct. Yeah. He, could, he could feel like a loser mm-hmm. in that moment because all the evidence around him is making him feel that way. Mm-hmm. But he can step back and look at the facts and go, no, I'm not a loser. 
I'm a flipping 20 Grand Slam winner that just happens to be losing some games right now. Not me. I'm not the loser. The games are being lost. That's a different way of reframing the situation because he's, he's, he's balancing facts and feelings. And we can't let feelings dictate um, what the facts tell us about the situation. But we can't also let the facts define the feelings we need to feel about the situation. That's what I mean by facts and feelings. Yeah. Does that make yeah. sense? Give me an example yeah. of facts and feelings in a, in a business context. Awesome. Um, last month was an amazing sales month. We are sales rock stars. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> How are you going this month? Uh, let's not talk about this month. Okay. Um, have you let the facts create a set of feelings that are not the truth? Mm. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? So we must balance facts. We must let facts inform our feelings and feelings be deconstructed by facts and facts rebuild feelings. So what does the synergy of the two look like? Give me a, well, give me a happy a, resolution a, of those two. Okay, um, let's, let's actually use a situation. So I might be a, a coach or a consultant out there trying to um, uh, grow my business as, a, as an advisor. Um, and the fact is I'm not earning enough. The feelings are that I'm not worth that. I can't, I'm not charging more because I'm not worth that. Mm. So there's a mindset at play here. The mindset is, okay, I can't charge that because I'm not worth it. Um, why am I not worth it? I may not value myself correctly. So let's get some facts. Mm. Okay, what, what are industry standards for a, let's say you're a 20-year business consultant, um, what's standard rates? Have you actually gone to market and looked at standard rates? Mm. Is it $50 an hour? Probably not. Is it $150 an hour? Probably not. Is it maybe $250 an hour? Possibly. Is it $1,000 a day, $2,000 a day, $3,000 a day, $7,000 a day? I don't know. Maybe it's, what is it? What's the industry standard? Mm. Now, what kind of value do you bring to your clients? And, and therefore, what can you command to charge? Okay. Um, uh, and so now we're starting to build some facts what am I charging against industry standards? Am I delivering a service above or below those industry standards? Okay, where should I be positioning my pricing? Yeah. And then I'd go on and if you went deeper into that conversation, you'd be talking about how price is what you pay and value is what you receive and doing value-based pricing versus standard. You know, there's a whole conversation there to maximise feelings from a client to increase value. But let's not go there for mm-hmm. the moment. Let's just say if I've got a problem with pricing and I can't seem to change my mindset about what I'm charging, let's get some facts. What does the industry do? Yep. What am I doing against the industry? Does that make sense? Yeah. Yep. So, and, um, and the val- are you saying the value is the feeling part of it? No, not necessarily. Uh, the value is what the customer is receiving, yep. but which is which is subjective feeling, sometimes. Yeah. Ah, yeah, it's a feeling. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Sometimes it is subjective. Because it's got a, it's become emotional, yeah. um, which is why, which is why some people pay ten thousand dollars for a watch, mm. and why some people pay fifty dollars or five dollars mm. for a watch. Both do the job, mm. tell the time. Ah, but some watches are doing different jobs than others, and making the person wearing them feel differently because of the job they're doing. 
Does that make yeah. sense? <clears throat> so we've got to step back and the first, so I want to keep it back in leading ourselves and changing mindsets. Yep. So a common mindset as a coach or a consultant is, oh, I can't earn that. I can't charge that. Well, why? why? What's driving that mindset? Let's put some facts on the table, standard pricing. Um, you might actually be undercharging yourself by like 2x. Um, let's put some feelings on the table. Why do you feel that way? What's driving those feelings? Let's start to, to get those two things together and let's start to hammer out the truth and let the truth reframe the facts and the feelings. Does that yeah. make sense? So when, when we have a mindset that needs changing, thinking is the first step to identifying that mindset. We've actually got to identify the mindset. The mindset is I don't value my services in the way my customers value them. That could be the mindset. Um, now we've got to take a step back in our thinking and we've got to go, okay, well, what, what are the habits, what are the practices that are driving that mindset? Well, I've, I've never run a competitor analysis. I've never developed some facts. I just, I just see others and go, oh, they must be better than me. Um, so there's some habits forming here. There's some practices. There's some processes that are framing that mindset. And remember, mindsets are formed by habits that become continuous and automatic and that, that, that mindset then becomes default and it, and it feedback loops back to the habits to say, keep feeding me those habits because this is the mindset I hold. It's a vicious cycle of repetition. Is it a chicken and egg sense? sort of thing though? Like, I mean, because some would say that you, you change habits first and then that will change your mindset over time, like the whole fake it till you make it thing. The very first thing you must identify is the mindset to change. Right. We haven't changed yep. it yet. We've just identified that we need it changed. Sure. The second thing we're going to do is identify the practices or the habits that feed that mindset. That makes sense. Mindset's still not yep. changed. So, so we've, we've identified we've the identified mindset, some, but now we need to identify yep. the habits that are going to effectively help us change that. Correct. Mm -hmm. Yep. So what is feeding the existing mindset and what habits and practices will begin to break down the existing and feed the new mm -hmm. one? So if it's, if it's the mindset of, oh, I can't charge that, well, one practice or habit is let's go do some market research. Mm -hmm. Let's look at what others are charging for our, our product or service and let's ask our customers the kind of value they receive from it. Yeah, that's a pretty good practice or habit. Yep. And let's maybe actually systemize that now. Let's put that on automation. Let's go back every quarter or every half and rerun that process, whatever that looks like. And you'll find that that actually lives on the market leadership curve in question two on the seven questions as a, as a little throwaway. Um, so, so the first thing we're identifying is the mindset to change. The second thing we're identifying is what are the habits or the practices that feed the negative and could possibly rebuild the positive. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Thirdly, we're going, what are the triggers or the systems or the things that trigger the practices or the habits? Yep. So, so we've said, okay, let's go and do some industry research. That's a trigger, isn't it? That's a, that's a, that's a trigger to say, go do something. When we systemise that trigger, we've put that trigger on repeat. Go and do research. Go and do research. Go and talk to customers. Um. And what we're doing is creating a positive trigger to reinforce the right pricing. Does that make sense? If a negative trigger existed like, oh, I just lost that deal. 
Yep. Okay, I lost that deal. Maybe, and I haven't asked maybe why. Maybe I overcharged. Maybe it was because yeah. my – Yeah. Oh, it's because I'm too expensive. Oh, I put too much on that. Um, I charged $2,000. I should have charged $500. Um, I don't know. Should you have? But if that's the belief you hold, if you're constantly falling into that trigger of oh, I lost that deal because it was too much, that's either a, a false or a true belief. But if, if you haven't challenged that belief with a set of facts – you go ask the customer, mm. why did you lose the deal? Um, you may be feeding that negative mindset off a false belief, off a trigger that reinforces a false belief. Does that yeah. make sense? The flip of that is that you act in an echo chamber and you just believe that you're worth something that you're clearly not, right? Which is, which is why you do your Correct. market research. <laughs> Correct. So you might be like, well, let me, let's flip I'll tell that. You what I'm okay, worth. I'm worth. I'll tell you, I'll, I'll tell you what I'm worth, yeah. what I'm really, really worth. Um, that's $10,000 an hour. Thank you yeah. very much. And, you know, and after the 10 lost deals and you're back to eating baked beans for breakfast, um, you might be going, maybe I'm not worth $10,000. What are we back to? Yeah, we're back to finding some facts, reevaluating our feelings based on those mm. facts and letting the truth come to the surface. And so, we need to identify the, the mindset, positive or negative. We need to identify the habits and the practices that feed that positive or negative mindset. We need to identify the triggers or the habit that the triggers to those habits and practices. And we need to isolate when those triggers are happening. Is that trigger happening? Const- do I constantly feel like I don't charge much when I lose a deal? Ah, so I've got, I've got to, you see why thinking's so important? I've actually got to step back and I've got to rerun plays in my mind. I've got to rerun things that have happened in my mind. I've got to go and ask other people and go, tell me about what happened there. You know, when, when you're a coach on a football field and the team fail the play, what are you doing? You're replaying the footage on the TV screen and going step by step and you're asking people to think about it. Watch what happened. Tell me what happened there. Why was the ball not passed correctly there? We're thinking about what's going on. We're getting facts with feelings. In the heat of the moment, you turn to your colleague and you go, you didn't pass the ball. And, and, you, and you throw a frustrated comment at it. Actually, when you get back and you watch that replay and you realise, oh, I wasn't in the position to pass the mm. ball. It wasn't his fault that he didn't pass it. It was my fault. I wasn't ready to receive it. Mm. Does that make sense? I've thought about it. I've connected the facts with the feelings and I've let the facts reframe the feelings not the feelings, frame the facts to get to the truth. Stu, when you do your market yeah. research, let's say you've lost a client, uh, you're assuming you know why, but you don't really know why. Do you ever do exit interviews per se with, with those people that you've lost the work to or do you, would you rather yeah. just go off and do research more generally? No, I, you know, and, and I grew up in the world of consumer psychology and um, uh, understanding people um, in order to build new and better products. Yeah. And, um, <clears throat> and so a, a, a consumer research piece always included um, purchases and different types of purchases, um, rejectors and different types of rejectors, yeah. and an existing, um, i.e. they've had the product for a long time, not just recently purchased. So you're trying to get a handle on why people don't buy, people have rejected, people why they're buying, and people and why they're holding and continuing to buy. Does mm. that make sense? You want, you want early in the journey, people exiting the journey, people right at the purchasing moment, and people beyond the purchasing moment happy and satisfied. And you will get 
whole different set of facts and feelings across that spectrum of the journey. Do you find people and, are pretty honest? Uh, if you, well, I, that all comes down to the research sure. that you're doing and how you conduct the research and and the research methods deployed. Um, let's Sorry. keep it simple because Carry we're on. leading our, we're leading ourselves. <laughs> no, that's okay. Good good questions, but um, we're leading ourselves yep. here. So. So we've got to think. So as an individual, as, a, as leading yourself, when do you think? At night when, when I'm trying to go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is that a good time to be doing self-evaluation? Uh, it's usually when it happens though, isn't it? <laughs> I, I, I know and it's yeah. not a good time to be doing self-evaluation. Because <laughs> typically when you're trying to go to sleep at night, um, you're not in the best frame of mind. At 2 a.m. is not a great self-evaluation mm. time. When are you at your sharpest, your clearest, your most effective? Well, that's when you should be thinking. So that is when you should actually carve out some time and go, now, I know you and I are different beasts. You're a night owl, I'm a mm. morning owl. Um, for me, um, I'll, I'll get up at, Four or five, I'll go for a walk or I'll, I love to jet ski. I'll jump on the jet ski if it's, it's warm and go for a cruise. I'll get somewhere where there's no interruptions and I'll just, I can just let my mind wrestle with issues and I can, I can, I can get somewhere. Sometimes I'll park myself on a, on a beach in one of the islands off the coast where we live and, and I'll just wrestle with stuff. I'll think about it. Um, and you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm thinking. Mm. I'm trying to get the facts with feelings. I'm trying not to let the feelings and the emotions drive the facts. Um, but if that's not your optimum time for thinking, you're not going to do optimum thinking. No, for, for Does that me, make sense? five o'clock only comes once a day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but 12 or 12 one, one never, come, yeah. a couple of times a day. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> you rock and roll star. Um, <laughs> it's, um, so so when, we're th- when we're thinking, we, we've actually got to choose, and, and this is a good segue to planning. Remember the five roles, think, plan, inspire, equipping. Wow, we're only, at, we're only so at number we're th- two. Come on. Yeah, I know, I know. <clears throat> and we're, and we've got to, I'm actually going to fly through um, sort of – Two, three, and four, okay. and five. Because thinking's the the meaty yep. bit. When I think, I've actually got to um, surface the negative mindset. So I'll just repeat this so everybody mm-hmm. gets it. Pro- someone's probably told me, or I've had some occurrence to surface it. Um, it could be guilt. It could be shame. It could be loss. It could be feedback. It could be, I don't know what it could be. I'm going to surface that mindset. I'm going to identify the habits and the practices that feed that mindset. I'm going to figure out the triggers to those habits and practices and I'm going to identify when those triggers happen. Mm. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to think about the facts and the feelings around that. I'm going to build a situation analysis. That's what I'm going to do. Now I'm going to move to planning. And when I plan, I connect possibilities with practicalities. So the possibility is they're the things that could be. The practicality is the reality of what could be or the reality of what is. So let's, let's think about that mindset. I want, to, I want to increase my rate. I want to, um, if, I'm, if I'm a business owner, uh, my mindset could be we can't compete against them. They're too mm. big. You know, we're, we're, we're young. We're startup. We're little. 
We can't compete against them. Well, we've got a plan. We've actually got to look at the practicalities and the possibilities. So maybe we can't compete with them today. Maybe that's true. Maybe we're not winning customers from them today. Okay. Um, but what's possible? What Could we win customers from them tomorrow? If so, what practical things would we have to do? Is this making sense? Maybe all we need to do is implement one thing and we could, we could, we could find one practical way of winning a customer against them. Um, I'm going to go back to the Rafael Nadal and Medvedev situation. Remember there, it's Rafael's two and a half sets down in the final of, of the Australian Open. It's, it's possible that he could win, but is it practical yet? He hasn't found the, the niche, the edge. He's looking at Medvedev and Medvedev's lost his mind. He's complaining about ball boys and girls and he's whinging to the umpire. What's he just found? He's just found the practicality. Mm. It's possible. He's still in the game. It's possible that he can win. But practically, technically he's been beaten. Fitness he's being beaten. Mind he's not being mm. beaten. He's just found a practical way. He can continue to get the crowd on his side if he can find an edge. If he can just break Medvedev's mind, he could break the game open. Is this making mm. sense? He's found a practical and in the possibility. And so if we're that small business going, oh, man, how are we going to compete against Amazon? They're massive. Um, okay, well, what's possible? What's practical? Let's take some practical steps. So when we're planning, we've got to think about what's possible. And what's possible is, is sometimes not always achievable. We've got to balance what's possible with what's practical. Is opportunity a practical? Is, is that? Opportunities are possible. It's a possible? You know, when you and I, it's when possible. we were starting out 20 years ago, mm, whatever, right? I, I, we, we had a philosophy that was like, let's get the gig and then worry about how we're going to pull it off. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Yeah, that is true. Which one's like, like so practical, like possibility, it was like, well, of course we could do it. Yes, we could do this if yeah, we got the so, opportunity. Okay. Correct. Um, and you know what? We went and got some gigs. But at what stage of business life were we Startup. in? Startup. Correct. Yep. Um, so what was most important to gather facts around? Cash flow. <laughs> okay, that's good. <laughs> good. Yeah. yeah. I mean, um, remember doing startup school with Seth Godin years yeah. ago and, and – um, he'd be like, don't worry about inventing the product and making it mm -hmm. yet. Just build the PowerPoint deck and go and mm -hmm. sell it. Mm -hmm. See if somebody will buy it. I mean, when you're in startup, you're actually not overly worried about can we deliver it. Obviously, if you can't, <laughs> tell your customer. Um, but your, your, your key concern is, okay, can we practically sell it? You know, will somebody buy it? Can I sell this possibility? If I can... Yeah, let me now go worry about delivering it. Um, and, and, and so one of the dangers, and I repeated this mistake three, four, five years later, early on we'd go and let's just go win the gig and then we'll figure out how to mm. do it. We'll back mm. ourselves. You know, it's, that's, that's a good mindset to build. However, when you're a business of 10, 15, 20, 30 people um, that ha is winning more complex things, should you go and – Go out with that attitude. Oh, let's just go win the gig and then we'll figure out how to do it. I'm assuming you're going to say no. <laughs> Definitely no. Um, 
that is a horrible place to be when now you've got a complex project that you actually don't know how to yeah. do that might be worth 100x yeah. what you were winning, you know, four yeah. years ago. Probably because half your staff have, have got a let's, let's do this and the other half are going, can't yeah. do it. Yeah, yeah. And so, um, and look, we're, 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 you know, we're still on track. <laughs> the, the practical and the possibilities is what we're balancing yeah. here. And the first thing we're doing is leading ourselves so what's practical if we need to change the mindset of we don't value ourselves well enough? Well, what's practical is let's go, let's go ask five customers. Mm. Let's go mystery shop two competitors. Mm. Let's, that's practical. What's possible? $10,000 an hour going up from $50 an hour? That's, that's, that's not really possible. What's possible? Maybe 75, 100, 150, I'm not sure. Um, that's what's possible. Is that making yep. sense? So what we need to do is we need to balance the possible with the practical and that's the beginning of planning. So I'm going to start to put some steps in place. I'm going to set a small goal. I'm going to balance what's possible with what's practical. Mm -hmm. And, and a good goal pulls you that 20, 30% beyond what's practical into the possibility and you start to stretch yourself. So let's, let's quickly then move through the next three. Well, as I start to plan some steps, I want to change that mindset. I, I want to actually plan when those triggers happen, okay? So I get, I get triggered into feeling like a loser when I lose a deal. Okay, when we lose a deal, I'm going to delegate to somebody or I'm going to ask somebody to do an exit interview. Mm. Why'd we lose it? And you know what? Two out of three times, the customer will tell you. There'll be something about it. And, and that's actually going to stop that trigger. Does that mm. make sense? Um, then, once I've done my thinking and I've done some planning, I'm actually going to start to inspire myself. I'm going to start to take the current state and build a new picture of the future state. And the future state could be I'm actually going to hold a winning mindset. I'm going to be a highly competent, confident business advisor that wins and delivers amazing results. That's a great mindset. And I'm going to I'm going to create a future state and I'm going, to, I'm going to stretch my goals up into that future state. I'm going to start to describe that future state. I'm going to equip my future state with the plans and the skills that re remove and break down the old habit and build up the new habit. So I'm going to start building a skill around market research. I'm going to start building a skill around sales. I'm going to start building a skill around closing. I'm going to see mm -hmm. where I'm going. I'm going to start equipping myself with skills that remove the triggers and that replace the habits and the practices that reinforce the new mindset. Making sense? And lastly, I'm going to start to empower myself. And by the way, when we equip ourselves, we, we connect incompetencies with competencies, lack of skills with skills. And when I empower myself... I embed the fundamental aspects of leadership, which is ownership, accountability, and responsibility. I'm going to own the journey to the future state. I'm going to be accountable to somebody around getting to that future state, and I'm going to be responsible for the skills and the actions and the behaviours and the practices that lead into this new mindset. Is this making sense? Yeah. Yeah. And so when I empower myself, let's say I'm that business advisor, I'm going to own this new mindset. I'm going to own it. That's, you said it before. Um, it is absolutely about discipline. So if that new mindset requires some, 
setting aside some practical actions on a daily or weekly basis, great, I'm going to schedule it. I'm also going to make myself accountable to somebody. Now, you can make yourself accountable to yourself, but that's the weakest accountability partner you can ever have. Um, you're better to make yourself accountable to you know, a coach, an advisor, a mentor, a mate, a colleague. Just go, hey, you know what? You might be a... Might be might have a partner in the business. I, I really feel like crap when I lose these deals, and I've I've been doing some thinking, and this is why. And I've put a plan together, and what do you think about my plan? And I think I need to build these skills. And can you hold me accountable to this plan I've put to get to this future state? Mm. Does that make sense? And now I'm going to take responsibility for the actions. So I'm accountable to somebody. I'm owning the end outcome, and I'm going to be responsible which means I'm going to schedule it. I'm going to dedicate time to it. I'm going to invest in it. You know, let's go back to what you did with your daughter to give your daughter a million dollars. You owned the outcome. You were accountable to your wife for making it happen and you became responsible for putting the dollar in the bank account every day. Mm. Does that make sense? You, em- you empowered yourself to achieve that future end state that you've inspired yourself to get to. So <clears throat> um, when we do that, when we bring this process together, and we lead ourselves, we lead ourselves literally um, by transforming ourselves through the renewing of our mind, the planning of our actions, the inspiration of the future state, the equipping of the new skills, and the empowerment of the ownership, the accountability, and the responsibility. And, and that is the essence of leadership, shifting somebody from A to B. And if you wanted a... Um if you wanted a really good explanation of the why and the what behind the Waymaker leadership curve, that's it. hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. Yeah. That, that is it. Um, the Waymaker leadership curve <clears throat> is designed to help um, leaders find the breakthrough to move their teams up the curve. And they do that by figuring out which skills and which systems um, to equip and empower their teams to get to that inspirational future state by planning using the seven questions Mm. and by thinking well together through the diagnostic. Yeah, you you know, if if you want to just tie a ribbon around our entire big idea at Waymaker, Mm. you know, this Mm. is it. And so when we learn to lead, we learn to, to break down existing mindsets and rebuild new mindsets and we do that by thinking, planning, inspiring, equipping and empowering and we do it with ourselves first. When we can do it with ourselves, people will trust us to do it with them. I was almost going to throw you under the bus and say there's almost another episode in how do we start doing that then with our teams. With others. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And look, we could. We could. Um, so why don't we do it? We'll go there. I'm, I'm happy. All right. Why Let's not? Let's do it. Um, Let's do it. Because th- th- there's no yep. – there's an unlimited potential on the number of podcasts we can put into <laughs> Apple's podcasts. <laughs> that is true. And, and like, I mean, we talk about, you know, we have competing mindsets within ourselves, right, which conflict. Yeah. Um, yep. When you get into an yep. organisational um, situation where there's multiple people in teams that each have conflicting mindsets within themselves mm. and then you bring them together um, – you know, we've we've set up the foundation of leading yourself, but it'd be amazing to kind of talk through maybe some of the things that um, we could you can do to, do to lead teams. Lead teams. That yep. would be amazing. We'll do that. Right. Yeah, and and so that 
that throws us into a resource called the, the, the five personas or postures mm-hmm. of leadership. Mm-hmm. And, and the first persona and posture is leading yourself, yeah. which we've just talked about. <clears throat> the second is beginning to, to lead others. And, and so we'll jump into that and we'll, and we'll talk about that shift and change. Beep. The thing to remember, whether you're leading yourself, leading others or whatever you're leading, the five roles of a leader, think, plan, inspire, equip, empower. And when we want to deconstruct and reconstruct mindsets, you're going to go through that. You're going to go through that process. So good. As always, Stu, pleasure to chat to you. Uh, these podcasts are about helping you make business improvement business as usual. <laughs> <laughs>